This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. The Hockey Hotbed presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky and I have a great show for you guys today. Obviously leading off the show with some extremely surprising news. Obviously Ben Bishop had not been healthy at all this season up to this point. But the news coming out over the weekend that his career is in fact over. Not only just in Dallas but in general Ben Bishop is done in the National Hockey League. So we will talk about that, obviously, to start off the show. Just shocking news coming down the pipe on Saturday from General Manager Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars. But a little bit later, starting in the second segment, I'm going to go through and preview every single hockey game that is going to happen on Tuesday because there are 14 games. 28 of the 32 NHL franchises in action on Tuesday I'm going to go through every single matchup, and I'm also going to give my thoughts on where these teams are at this point in the season. We have a couple of grade A matchups on Tuesday for sure, so stay tuned while I go down and preview through that and talk about almost every single team in the NHL. Basically talking about 28 of the 32 teams across the National Hockey League starting in segment two, but like I mentioned, I want to start off by talking about Ben Bishop. Obviously, Heartbreaking news that the 35-year-old netminder's career is in fact over. He will remain on the long-term injured reserve with the Dallas Stars due to a degenerative knee issue. Uh, This is an issue that has been plaguing Ben Bishop since the last game he played in the National Hockey League, which was during the bubble in 2020 during the Dallas Stars' great run to the Stanley Cup Finals. He last played in Game 5 of the 2020 Western Conference Finals against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, following that season, he did have surgery to repair a torn meniscus, hoping that, you know, eventually make his return, join Anton Hudobin in a great goaltending duo there in Dallas, and hopefully try again for that elusive Stanley Cup for Ben Bishop, as that was the second time one of his teams had made it to the promised land, just not able to get over the hump. So the question then became, When is he going to return? He missed all of last year's COVID-shortened season. He was not ready for the beginning of play this year. He was most frequently, or not most frequently, but most recently on a rehab stint with the AHL club. And then, of course, on Saturday, the news coming out that Ben Bishop's career, in fact, is over. And he will be hanging him up, staying on the LTIR for the remainder of his contract with that degenerative knee issue. Just unfortunate news for the Dallas Stars fans. Unfortunate news for Ben Bishop and his family. But... I didn't actually think that he was in the league for as long as he was. I mean, 11-year NHL career. He was drafted way back in 2005. You know, I feel like, you know, you look at 2005 draft, you have uh, Sidney Crosby, and it's it's felt like he's been in the league for a while, but it has not felt like Ben Bishop has been there for just as long. I mean, clearly, he was not starting right out the gate like Crosby, but an 11-year career in the National Hockey League for the netminder. He was the third-round pick in 2005 of the St. Louis Blues. Throughout those 11 years, he played for St. Louis. He had a quick stop in Ottawa, really hit his stride when he went to Tampa Bay, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Went to LA, 
at around the trade deadline, played a little bit for the LA Kings. And then he finished off in Dallas where he had actually some of his best years. I, I know a lot of people might not know this, but he had his best career season in Dallas, which we'll talk about. Over that course of the 11-year career, obviously a two-time NHL All-Star. He played in 413 regular season games, 222 wins, a 921 save percentage, and a 2.32 goals allowed average. So for all intents and purposes, Ben Bishop was an absolutely outstanding goaltender for the majority of his career. His total career numbers are really impressive, and it's unfortunate that the end of his career had to end the way it did with all the injuries and the knee issues and not being able to be available for the last couple of years of his career. He was also a Vezina finalist three times. You know, top five, three times. Twice he finished in second place, just not able to get over the hump. But still, a guy that was highly regarded for several seasons as one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League. He is a massive figure. He's a guy that if you got the puck past him, it was not going to be down low because he took up so much of the bottom of the net with those massive tree trunks of legs. So he was a fantastic goaltender pretty much in every stop, but especially in 2013-14 is when he really started to hit it off. His first full season in Tampa Bay. He was there the year prior for a little bit, but that was his first full season with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's when he started to hit that other level. That's when he became in the upper echelon of NHL goaltenders, having an absolutely phenomenal season. Then you look at the next season, he helps the Tampa Bay Lightning the whole way to the Stanley Cup Finals, his first appearance, the only appearance as the healthy goaltender of record for Ben Bishop. He goes the whole way to the Stanley Cup Final, only to be shut down by a really, really good, like historically good Chicago Blackhawks team. So Ben Bishop, absolutely Tremendous run in that Stanley Cup playoffs. Three shutouts as part of it, taking the Tampa Bay Lightning the whole way to the Cup Final. And he also, the following season, had him right back there. Not the whole way to the Finals, but they were in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who eventually won the Stanley Cup in 2016. And that's when he first dealt with a massive, massive injury. Goes down, Andre Vasilevsky comes in, and that kind of spelled the beginning of the end for Ben Bishop in Tampa Bay. He had been so good for that organization. He had been so good the year prior to take him to the Stanley Cup. But they had this young guy in Vasilevsky. They wanted to see what they had in him. They were forced to see what they had in him due to the injury of Ben Bishop in the East Finals in 2016. Vasilevsky looked great. I mean, he took him the whole way to the brink, went to seven straight, went to seven games, had a 3-2 series lead on the Pittsburgh Penguins, just couldn't get the job done. Obviously, now we know that Andre Vasilevsky is probably the best goaltender in the world right now. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, you know, also won several other awards, Vezina Trophy winner. So, no shame for Ben Bishop losing his job to that guy because that guy, you know, now is the best goaltender in the league. It's just unfortunate timing for Ben Bishop that he goes out, that happens, and then the following season, he's traded to the Los Angeles Kings. He lost the net to Andre Vasilevsky, goes to the Kings at around the trade deadline. Him and Jonathan Quick are going to try to revive something in LA in 2017. Just didn't happen. Didn't work out well. And then that following summer, he was traded to Dallas in the summer of 2017, which is his fifth team, his final team, and his final destination where he played in parts of, I believe now, three or four, three seasons, if you consider the fact that he didn't play last year and he has not played this year. But... If you look at 2018-19 was his career best season. You talk about a guy who a lot of people thought peaked in 2015 when he took the Tampa Bay Lightning the whole way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But no, he peaked in 2018-19 with the Dallas Stars, a part of that team that eventually 
would end up the following season going the whole way to the Stanley Cup final. So he started to play on a very good team there in Dallas, 27-15-2 with a 9.34 save percentage, a 198 goals allowed average, and seven shutouts on the season. An absolutely phenomenal season by Ben Bishop in Dallas, only his second year there. And you were starting to think, okay, Ben Bishop is back. Like, this is what we're going to expect. He's back. This is Stanley Cup Finals Ben Bishop from 2015. Well, the following season, obviously dealing with a little bit of injuries, gets hurt in the playoffs, is gone. Anton Hudobin steps in and goes on a miracle run to the Stanley Cup Finals, only to fall short to, of course, the Tampa Bay Lightning and a very big slap across the face if you're Ben Bishop. That team getting over the hump there against the Dallas Stars when Bishop can't even do anything about it. He's on the bench. Actually, he's hurt. He's not even on the bench. But... At this point now, a fantastic career for Ben Bishop. You know, we ran down through that. If you look at the accolades, is he a Hockey Hall of Famer? I don't know if I would go as far to say that, but he he was a fantastic goaltender for several years. He was one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League for a couple of seasons as well. So we wish him all the best. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him. It sucks to have your career ended by an injury, especially one like this where you've been rehabbing it. He's been trying to get back, but unfortunately just not going to be able to get over that hump with a degenerative knee issue. So we wish Ben Bishop all the best. Looking at the the Dallas Stars, for them, they've kind of positioned themselves. I feel like they might have seen, I mean, they might not have seen his career coming to an end, but they had a feeling that, you know, Ben Bishop's injury issues towards the end of his career from 2015 on, had been something that you had to take into account. Obviously, they had Hudobin in the 2020 playoffs, and that's why they were able to get as far as they did. They still have Anton Hudobin. He was on trade rumors because they had four NHL-caliber goaltenders is what they've been saying. Obviously, they were waiting for Ben Bishop to come back. They still have Anton Hudobin. Jake Ottinger is a really good young option for them, and he's been playing extremely well to start the season. And then they have Stanley Cup champion goaltender Braden Holpe. After a really bad season in Vancouver, it seems like Holpe's starting to settle back in to the starting role down there in Dallas, especially when, you know, he doesn't have as much pressure on him there because you have Ottinger, you have Hudobin. If you need to take a break, if you need to try to recharge your batteries, you have the guys behind you and the horses behind you that can help. So I don't know if the Stars are still going to be looking to trade Hudobin. It's nice to have three NHL caliber guys, especially when the rest of your team, you know, you can fit it under the cap. It's nice to have that just in case, but it might be you know, a situation where somebody gives you a player or a piece that can really help you towards the end of the season. Right now, the Dallas Stars sit in sixth place in the Central Division, but they had been the hottest team in the NHL earlier in the month towards the late end of November. Right now, they're 13-10-2 with 28 standings points, like I mentioned, sixth in the Central Division, but not too far off of Winnipeg or Colorado as well. They have two games in hand on Winnipeg, so they can jump them fairly easily. The Dallas Stars playing extremely well at home. They need to fix the road record. On the road, they're 4-8-1. At home, they're 9-2-1. So if they can get a little bit better on the road, they could probably jump up in the standings a little bit more. 7-3 in their last 10. So they're a team that has been up and down. They started pretty rough on the season, kind of turned it around, and lately have just lost a couple of games. But goaltending, they should still be set. You know, Braden Holpe, is a Stanley Cup winning guy. It seems like he's catching his footing back. Jake Ottinger is a young stud that is going to be the future of this franchise. You know he's going to be, and he's starting to play like that this season. And Anton Hudobin, we'll see. Now that they don't have that safety of Ben Bishop possibly coming back, we'll see if they decide that they want to go 
and part from Anton Hudobin or not. But uh, the, the main point of this, obviously, is Ben Bishop. Like I said earlier, thoughts and prayers to him. Fantastic career by him. Uh, we don't know what's next for Ben Bishop. If it's a media career, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, definitely shocking news that came across the wire on Saturday, and we wish Ben Bishop all the best in his postseason career. But we're going to take a quick break here at the Hockey Hotbed. When I return, going down every single one of the 14 National Hockey League games starting tonight. We'll be right back. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I mentioned that the rest of the show is going to be going through every single matchup for Tuesday, December 14th of 2021. I did say that there were 14 games. I did forget also that the Calgary Flames and Nashville Predators game was postponed. So 13 games that we will be going through, 26 NHL teams, still an impressive slate, especially when you compare it to Monday night where there was no NHL action. So it'll be nice to see the puck on the screen again. 13 games, 26 teams in action. We're starting it all off talking about the Montreal Canadiens taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Habs, 6-20-3 on the season. Not a great year for the Blue Blanc and Rouge. I mean, it's it's not gone well. You look at how it started, obviously, kind of a rough offseason after going to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Now you have Bergevin that is fired. You have Carey Price on his way back. That's a positive if you're the Montreal Canadiens, but that's not going to help you against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday night. The Penguins, on the other hand, they're soaring. They're playing really well. They had a five-game win streak that was ended by the Canadiens last month. Since then, after that, they lost two more games, and since then now also on a four-game win streak. So the Penguins are a streaky team, it seems like, but right now they're heading in the positive direction. 14-8-5, currently sitting in fourth place in the Metropolitan Division. Now, if you want my opinion on the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm not going to go too deep into it in this podcast because I do do another podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network called the Hockey or the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast covering the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's where I give all my Penguins thoughts and opinions because I did grow up in Western Pennsylvania. There's an inherent additional 
intelligence, I should say, or just fandom is the is the real word to it, fandom to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But if you're the Montreal Canadiens, this is a game where, listen, is it a lost season? It might be. You might not have hope in trying to turn this around and make it to the postseason. Maybe when Carey Price comes back, he goes on an all-worldly run and helps, but they're in a tough division, and they're sitting in dead last place in that division right now. I mean, they're 35 points behind the two teams that are tied for first place. They're 33 points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. So is all hope lost in Montreal? It's still early to say that, but realistically, I don't know how much of a shot I give them at turning this thing around. On Tuesday night, do I give them a shot? I mean, this is the third and final meeting between these two teams, the Habs and the Penguins. The Penguins, I mean, it's it's tied at one, but the Penguins throttled the Canadiens at the Bell Center earlier in the season, six to nothing. Like I mentioned, the Habs did end the last Penguins winning streak in a six to three win, but there were three empty net goals and Jake Allen was forced to make 47 saves on 50 shots. So do I think the Habs are going to be able to do it again? I mean, there's always room for a Jake Allen standout performance, but realistically, I expect the Pittsburgh Penguins to roll in this one over the Habs and extend their winning streak to five games. Let's move over east to the Boston area, taking on, I mean, the Boston Bruins, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a matchup that when you see the marquee, there's intrigue already. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights, after a slow start dealing with injuries, they're now 16 and 11, have not lost an overtime or shootout, which is nice. It's a cool round number, I believe. They might be one of the only teams. Let me double check that really quickly. The Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers, the only two teams that have not lost a game after regulation. So Vegas being one of those teams, they've turned it around pretty significantly since a slow start. Obviously injuries to a key defenseman in Zach Whitecloud, who now has five goals on the season after a two-goal performance over the weekend. You have Mark Stone coming back into the lineup. You have Max Pacioretty coming back into the lineup. They didn't have Alex Tuck at all this season. Then they traded him away for Jack Eichel, who might be back here at about a month to a month and a half. So it's all good news, all positive news for the Vegas Golden Knights. And they're even making ground in the standings right now as they sit in fourth place, tied for third with the Edmonton Oilers. So after a slow start, Vegas is creeping up into where we expected them in the standings. Now looking at the Boston Bruins on the other side of things, they're going to host the Golden Knights. They've had some struggles when it comes to putting the puck in the back of the net if your name is not Bergeron, Marchand, or Pasternak. This is always a question with them. They have the greatest line in the National Hockey League, but who else is scoring? It was nice to have Taylor Hall as an addition. Nice to see him stay in Boston, but it hasn't really paid dividends as their depth scoring is their biggest issue right now. They have a pretty good defense, even though they don't have Tuka Rask, Swayman and Allmark have been able to step in and give them some pretty pretty good performances, and they sit at 14-8-2. So not a bad record by any means, but when you think of the Boston Bruins, you think of a team that's in first place, second place in the division. They sit right now in fourth place in the Atlantic, and that's not really due to them. More specifically, it's due to the fact that they're playing in a division with Florida, Toronto, and Tampa, a couple of which we'll get to later in this show. But the Boston Bruins, right now, they're, they're kind of in a dogfight with Detroit when it comes to standings points. They've played the least games in the Atlantic Division, only 24, whereas everybody else has played 27 or 29. So they have room to make up some spots here, some make up some space. So we'll see what happens in this game. I don't know how this is going to go. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights have been on basically a heater ever since they got their captain, Mark Stone, back. And in their last 10, they're 6-4. and four. But again, kind of a mediocre road record at 6-5. and five. 
Not the greatest right now for the Vegas Golden Knights. So we'll see what happens when they go up and visit Boston. I would say Boston probably takes this one in a close game. Might be a one-goal game. And I would expect it somewhere like middle scoring, like a 3-2 to two or 4-3 to three game. So both of these teams are trending upward. And both teams that are you expected coming into the season to trend upward. The questions about the Bruins was goaltending and secondary scoring. They've answered one of those, but they haven't been able to answer the question of secondary scoring. Moving on to the Kings and Lightning, I'm realizing... That I'm talking a lot about each game. I need to kind of shorten my my talk about each game. But Kings on the road taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, the LA Kings. Obviously, it was a massive blow losing Quentin Byfield at the start of the season. We all wanted to see what he looked like in his first full season. Unfortunately, he had the injury. We just hope that he gets back soon. The Kings have been a team that have been really good at points and really bad at other points. They're a team similar to like the Detroit Red Wings where... Yeah, they're kind of coming out of a rebuild. What do we expect from them? We don't really know. I expected, you know, you have a lot of young players like Arthur Kaliev that has stepped up and played well this year. Alex Turcotte really hasn't had time up there yet. But you also have guys, you know, like Andre Kopitar, who started off pretty well to start the season. So you're hoping if you're the Kings that you continue to build on it and maybe hang around and try to find a playoff spot. Checking on them right now in the wild card standings, they're still down there. I mean, they're still four spots out of a wild card, four points behind the Vegas Golden Knights. But this is a team that we don't realistically expect them to make the postseason this year. Like, let's be honest. The Kings are a young team. They have one of the best farm systems in the National Hockey League. Is this their year? No, probably not yet. They went out and bought, like, Phil Deneau and they bought Victor Arvidsson because they were pressured by guys like... You know, Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar, they're tired of the rebuild, and that's fair. These guys are winners. They don't want to sit there and pitch seasons away when it's the end of their career. So they wanted to move, they wanted to contend, and they're going to be playing meaningful games. They just need to be able to be a little bit more consistent and get that 12-10-4 record up a little bit better. On the other side, the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> I mean, you can call it cup hangover. You can call it the fact that they don't have Nikita Kucherov or Braden Point. But they got off to a slow start, and since then, obviously, they've been absolutely ridiculously talented and ridiculously good. Currently sitting in third place in the Atlantic Division, 9-3-2 on the road, 8-3-2 at home. They're good anywhere you face them. Their last 10, they're 7-2-1. So the Tampa Bay Lightning, I would think, are going to roll at home. It's really hard to come across the country and be able to play in that arena at Amelie. So I would think the Lightning probably take this one by two goals. Obviously, when you go to DraftKings, our sponsor, a lot of the lines are by one and a half. So I would say Lightning minus one and a half, probably a fair bet for Tuesday night. Senators at the Panthers. The Senators, you know, they've had their own issues. They're a young team. They've faced COVID very difficult this year. Obviously, facing Brady Kachuk, not signing immediately, but now he's their captain. He's been playing absolutely lights out. You know, I do three stars of the week every week here on the Hockey Hotbed. I would say the Senators and Brady Kachuk, I should have put him in last week. I should have. I should have put him in over Ryan Johansson, but I thought, you know what? They're about equal. Okay, we'll see what happens. And then right after that, right after the three stars went out, Brady Kachuk had another, I believe, like four-point night for the Ottawa Senators. Just absolutely phenomenal player for there, there in Ottawa. And he's kind of having a, a breakout season, if you want to call it that, even though everybody knew he was talented. And he's still the captain of that team. But the Florida Panthers, I mean, this team, 18-5-4. They got off to one of the hottest starts in the National Hockey League. And you also have to mention the fact that they did have a really down, like, week or two. And then just like that, they're right back on top of things. They're the number one team tied with Washington and Toronto 
in the National Hockey League. So if I had to put money on it, I'm going with the, the Florida Panthers. This is a team that is built to last throughout the regular season, is built to last in the postseason. So am I jumping on the Panthers bandwagon? Yeah. Yeah, I'm jumping on the Panthers bandwagon. The Senators, they played good hockey as of late, but you know it's hard to beat Florida in Florida. We'll see what happens there. New Jersey Devils against the Philadelphia Flyers. Both teams coming out of a slump, kind of. The Devils had a four-game losing streak. They luckily were able to take on the Philadelphia Flyers, and they won in that one. The Flyers did end their long, I believe it was 11 or 12-game losing streak, have won a couple of games now, uh, two and one under the tutelage of Mike Yo since the firing of Elaine Vigneault. When I look at these two teams, the Flyers are a team that are holding on to relevancy right now with this core group. They want to make another run for Claude Giroux. They want to make another run for Sean Couturier, who's not quite older, but he, he's in towards the end of his prime there. And they want to win it for guys like Kevin Hayes, James Van Riemsdyk that have been there for a couple of years. But I don't know if this team is going to be good enough. I mean, you look at the way that they've played this season, it's not been good. And it's not the problem of Carter Hart. Last year, it was Carter Hart was bad. The defense was bad. This year, the defense is still really bad, but Carter Hart's been better. So if you want to take anything away from that, at least your goaltender that you're hoping to be the future is playing much better in net. As far as the New Jersey Devils are concerned, they're a team that I might have jumped the gun when I said they could contend for a playoff spot this year. They're a young team. Listen, they were the youngest team in the National Hockey League last year. That's they took their lumps. They're going to continue to take their lumps this year. Signing Jack Hughes to an eight-year contract extension. I'm glad he's back from injury. He scored a beautiful goal the other night. I hope they continue to improve this season. I don't know if contention is in the cards for them just because they got off to kind of a rough start. And because you look at the division they're in, it's a tough division. I mean, you have Philly right behind them. You have New York Islanders right behind them with a little bit of breathing room there. But you have to imagine those two teams more likely to get right than the New Jersey Devils. They're just built a little bit more to succeed right now. The Devils still need a couple guys to just enhance themselves a little bit more. Not, not you know, using any type of steroids or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I just they just need a little bit more time to marinate before the Devils are really going to be able to go out there and be a strong competitor. It's also going to help after this season with P.K. Subban's $9 million coming off the, the cap. That might help them add some pieces that will help them get to the next level. Islanders, speak of the devil, they're going to take on the Detroit Red Wings. Now, these are two of the biggest surprises in opposite fashions this season. The Islanders, one of the biggest disappointments of the season so far. 7-11-5. They've gotten out on the other end of that long and heinous losing streak. They finally won a game at UBS Arena, which isn't going to really matter right now because this game they're going to be playing at the, the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. So it's going to be an interesting game here. Which team goes more towards what we expected of them. Are the Islanders going to continue the, the trend that they've had and, and win some games? Or is Detroit going to continue to say, you know what, we're, we're playing meaningful games for the first time in like half a decade. We have a really good young core. Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider have been absolutely off the charts. I'd have to double check. I don't know if Moritz Sider is healthy. He took a big hit a couple days ago. I believe it was against the Colorado Avalanche. So I don't know... If Moritz Sider is available for the Red Wings, I should have double-checked that before that. But, you know, going through 14 games, it gets pretty hard to keep track. But uh, the Red Wings and the Islanders, this is going to be a good matchup, okay? Uh, the Islanders, listen, you can say what you want about them. They're in eighth place in the Metropolitan Division. They are the third-worst team right now, points-wise, in the Eastern Conference. 
but they're a Barry Trotz team. I, I, I have a trouble counting them out in any game, really. So we'll see what happens there. The Red Wings have recently given up their spot in fourth place and in the wild card race to the Boston Bruins as well as the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Red Wings are in need of a quick turnaround to try to continue to stay, you know, in contention here. They've lost three straight, so hoping to right the ship at home. The last one I'm going to talk about before I head to break is going to be a really, really like home run of a matchup, and that is the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Minnesota Wild. Wild fans, you know, I mentioned it the last time I went on here. Last Monday, I did my uh, power rankings, or at least I released my power rankings on social media. They they pounded me, you know, putting the Wild at 10th, putting them below the St. Louis Blues. A lot of Minnesota Wild fans weren't happy. And by a lot, I mean like the three that responded. But uh, nobody responded and said, wow, cool, the Wild are in there. Most people were like, wow, I can't believe you put the Wild that low. That's kind of heinous. I don't know. I didn't know people were going to take it that personally. But somebody is going to get the 20th win of the season. Nobody has gotten to 20 wins this year in the National Hockey League. Somebody will tonight. Carolina Hurricanes kind of, you know, for a team that started as hard as they did, they've kind of faded back, which is kind of ridiculous because they're 19-7-1. They're such a good team. They are coming off a loss against the Vancouver Canucks, who are all of a sudden a wagon behind the tutelage of Bruce Boudreaux. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Hurricanes, listen, Rod Brindamore has those boys playing extremely, extremely well. That is a team that you look at the roster on paper, there's no holes. There really is no holes. I mean, their biggest hole might be in net, but Freddie Anderson was the goalie of the month in October, and he's still playing extremely well. And then, of course, you know, you have Antti Ranta back there as well, but you look at their forward core, they're young, they're talented, they're fast, they're high-flying, they score a lot of goals. And defensively, they have a lot of character guys. I mean, Jacob Slavin is still one of the underrated top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League. I like Ian Cole in that spot. Tony DeAngelo has had a good season, and he's kind of stayed quiet off the ice, so that's good for the Hurricanes as well. They've had a really good year, and they're going to be a tough team to beat, but you look at the Minnesota Wild, and although I put them at 10th, I did put them at 10th, even though I did that, I still think this team is one of the most talented in the National Hockey League. I mean, they lost two in a row the first time, not the first time they've ever done it, but they've never lost three in a row under Dean Evison. I think that continues. You know, especially at home in the state of hockey, they're 10 and 2 in Minnesota. So I would say if I had to lean a certain way in this game, I'm leaning with the Minnesota Wild. They're a team that in their last 10, they're 8 2 and 0, even though they've lost their last two that ended their long winning streak. This is a team that, you know, if you would have asked me who's the first team to 20 wins this year, I would not have said the Minnesota Wild. I kind of disrespected them a little bit early in the season. I guess I disrespected them last week when I put out my power rankings, but I'm not going to disrespect them today. I think the Wild take out the Hurricanes on Tuesday night. I'm going to take a quick break because this is a long list of games, but we have a couple left. We'll go through the remaining schedule for the National Hockey League tonight, talk about each of these teams, where they're at currently, what my quick opinions are on them right after this 30-second break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Shout out to my fiance Kayla for helping me with all this this music coming back in from the commercial breaks. She helped me find all of it. But we're going to continue to talk about the Tuesday slate because it is a gigantic one. 13 games, 26 teams, the best of the best across the National Hockey League. We left off with probably the best game of the night. You know, it's hard to top that. There's another one, actually another two, that are right up there. But I know it's going to be hard to top the game between the Hurricanes and the Minnesota Wild. It's not going to happen in, in the next one I'm talking about. Yeah, no. The Sabres are going to take on the Jets. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, after a better-than-expected start, it was nice to see those boys rally around really nobody. Kyle Ocposo, Craig Anderson early in the season. Now he's hurt. But they've kind of fallen back down to life since the Jack Eichel trade. Things were going well up to that point. You know, the team was playing great with basically nobody on it and no expectations. You trade Eichel, you get some pieces back. Alex Tuck, that's a nice piece. Peyton Krebs, nice piece. Some draft picks as well. Yeah, since then, though, just not not been good for the Buffalo Sabres. They've kind of been free-falling throughout the standings. 1-7-2 and two in their last 10. I didn't know it was that bad. Wow. Uh, so it, sharp money's on the Jets, I would say. Uh, smart money's on the Jets as well. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, on the other hand, they've kind of been inconsistent this year. There have been times where we've looked at the Jets and they're exactly what I expected them to be. My dark horse pick for the Stanley Cup. They were winning games. Their offense was fully engaged and Connor Hellybuck was playing well. Now, of course, you, you lose. Blake Wheeler finally scores a goal and then he gets injured. You see everything that happened with Neil Pionk against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So a, a lot going a lot going on in Winnipeg. But still, the Sabres just that much worse. I don't think there's much else to say about this game. I would imagine like the top line of the Jets, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, they're having a good year. I would expect that to continue. P.L. Dubois, he started off really hot. He's kind of cooled off a little bit. I'm sure he has another surge left in him. So I would go with the Jets in this one. I don't think this is going to be particularly close either. You know, the Sabres are always capable of keeping it close. I just don't see it with the Jets on Tuesday. The way the Sabres are going and the way the Jets need to kind of get out of a funk and kind of wake themselves up 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. Not great, but you would expect at home them to be able to get right in this game. Another game between two Central Division teams this time. The St. Louis Blues take on the Dallas Stars. We obviously led off the show talking about Dallas Stars goaltender Ben Bishop and the end of his career. The St. Louis Blues, on the other hand, uh, they're they're having a pretty good season. 15-8-5. I had them in those power rankings higher than the Minnesota Wild. People don't like that. But uh, this is going to be a good game. You know, the Stars have kind of cooled down since their, their hot streak at the end of November, early part of December. They've cooled down as of recently with three games in a row that they've lost. But you look at the, the St. Louis Blues. Not the best road team this year. 5-5-3. Five, five, and three, As opposed to 10-3-2 and two at home. They're great at the Enterprise Center. But not a great road team against the Dallas Stars team that, you know, they need a win. Desperately need a win to kind of just prove everybody wrong that said, like me, that, you know, it's just a win streak. They're going to bounce back down into mediocrity. That's what I thought. And honestly, it's what I still think. So it's going to be a good game. That's going to be a too-close-to-call game. I'm sure that's a it's a toss-up at DraftKings. But uh, if I had to pick a side, I would probably go with the Dallas Stars, actually. You know, the Blues are having some goaltending issues, injury issues, COVID issues. The Dallas Stars, 
I think I'm going to end up going with them at home just because of the combination of I don't know who's going to be a net for the St. Louis Blues. And also, they're not a great road team. So we're going to go with the Dallas Stars in that one. Moving on. Two of the biggest matchups of the night. I talked about already Hurricanes versus Wild is huge. These next two, pretty much right up there in the upper echelon. New York Rangers taking on the Colorado Avalanche. That is a huge game out there in Colorado. The Rangers are a team that, you know, they bet on themselves. They said, this is the year. We're going to be a contender this year. And for all intents and purposes, they have been. 18-6-3, really great record. They've taken a step back since their star goaltender, Igor Sesterkin, who is basically on a Vezina pace, and he will be once ever once he returns from the injury that he's currently facing. But the Rangers sorely miss him, but Alexander Yorgiev is not a pushover either. So that's going to be a really good matchup between Yorgiev, who what I would imagine is starting, against the Avalanche's Dar- Darcy Kemper. The Avs, slow start for them. Similar to Vegas, slow start for them. They had guys in and out of the lineup. But since they've kind of turned it around, they're they're looking much, much better. Last week, they had a stretch of three games where they scored seven goals in each game, including a game at MSG. So if I'm picking a side in this one, I would say go with the Colorado Avalanche. This is a team that has found their offensive touch. They've won, I believe it's four games in a row, at least. Let me double check that really quickly. The the Colorado Avalanche, yeah, they've won four games in a row. Seven, two, and one in their last 10 and nine, two, and one at home. I would definitely lean on the Avalanche with that one. But if you look at the Rangers, though, surprising everybody, not really. Surprising themselves, not at all. I feel like they expected to be this good this year, and they just are. Huge game up in Edmonton. When you talk about two teams, two stars that we'd love to see play each other more, Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid, Toronto Maple Leafs versus Edmonton Oilers, that's a huge matchup facing off at 9 o'clock is puck drop tonight. The Maple Leafs, they're tied for the best record. Not the best record, but they're uh, one of those teams that could get to 20 wins tonight. Either, I mean, Minnesota and Carolina, one of them's going to beat them to it. But there's a chance that Toronto could match them as well. Most points in the National Hockey League right now with 40, at least standings points. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a really, really good team. 19 wins, all of them. And regulation or overtime, so no shootout wins for them. And on the road, not a, not a bad record, 7-4-1. and one. They're taking on the Edmonton Oilers, who have taken a step back. I mean, they started off the season so incredibly good. And they were in first place in the division, first place in the league, but now they've lost five straight. Oh, well. I mean, that happens, right? You're going to eventually hit a point, especially when your goaltender is Miko Koskinen slash Stuart Skinner. You're going to hit a point where you're going to go cold for a couple weeks. And that's what the Edmonton Oilers have done. Now, are they going to be able to get right? It's going to be hard to get right against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It helps that this is a home game. But when I look at the Oilers, considering how good they were at the start of the season, you started to think, okay, maybe this is the team that Connor McDavid can take to at least the second round for the second time in his career. Or you started to think, maybe this is a team that could go to the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe the Western Conference Finals. And uh, this is current five-game losing streak is kind of just a reminder that this is the NHL. It's a long season. Let's not get ahead of ourselves because we're not even at the halfway point. But this is still going to be a great-A matchup. I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl, two of the best in the league, still two of the tops in scoring. Let me pull that up real quick here. Against Austin Matthews, who, albeit started off slow, obviously injured coming back from a wrist injury, started off slow, but since then has started to get his goal scoring right back to where it was 
last season. You look at the points race right now, McDavid and Dreisaitl are both tied with 45 points. Absolutely ridiculous. And you look at the goals race, Austin Matthews has snuck up and in there, tied for third with 18 behind only Kyle Connor, who is also at 18, Alex Ovechkin at 20, and Leon Dreisaitl at 23. So you're going to have a lot of goal scoring in this game. There's no doubt about it. I like Jack Campbell in Toronto. I really do. But this is going to be a high-scoring game. Between these two teams, it's going to open up a lot. I mean, I know a lot of the time when there's this much firepower, sometimes it's just a dud and it ends up being a 2-1 to game or a 3-2 to game. But I feel like this game is going to end somewhere between 5-4 and four or like 7-5 to five or something like that. It might get ridiculous in Edmonton tonight. So a really good matchup. Like I mentioned, the three best matchups of the night are Toronto at Edmonton, New York Rangers at the Colorado Avalanche, avalanche and the carolina hurricanes at the minnesota wild we have two more to go to before i say arrivederci for today but one of them being the columbus blue jackets taking on the vancouver canucks if you listen to i believe it was last week an episode of 32 thoughts the podcast elliot freeman jeff merrick they do a fantastic job up there obviously that's the top podcast basically hockey podcast in the world but if you listen to their episode last week where they had elvis mers lincoln's on I, that podcast, that episode, that interview, I'm all of a sudden just like the biggest Elvis Mers Lincolns fan. The guy is, his energy is contagious. You listen to the way he talks. He's confident. He sounds like he's having a great time. Obviously, you know, everything that has happened during the off season with Matisse Kivlenix, you know, it has kind of gotten him into the spotlight a little bit more. I mean, not, not for, obviously not for the right reasons, but he's been able to take that spotlight and do something good with it. He, he mentioned the fact that every game that he plays, he plays for Matisse. He said the bad ones, <laughs> what did he say? I think he said the bad ones, those are on me. Like it, that's no part Matisse, but if it's a good game, it's all, it's all due to Matisse. So obviously, you know, a great character guy. Uh, he's had a great season so far for the Columbus Blue Jacks. There's people that are starting to cry Vezina for Elvis Mers Lincoln. So Great guy there. He's going up against right now what apparently is a buzzsaw. They're in Vancouver taking on the, you know, Bruce, there it is, Vancouver Canucks, the team that is 4-0-0 since firing Travis Green, since firing Jim Benning, a team that on paper was good all along, but always disappointing. By always, I mean last season, early this season. They're starting to play to their potential. Would you look at that? Since Bruce Boudreaux took over, like I mentioned, 4-0-0, that's the first time any Canucks head coach has started their tenure at 4-0-0. It's a crazy stat that you wouldn't think is possible for a team that is as tenured as the Vancouver Canucks franchise is, but, you know, here we stand. But you look at the players like Brock Besser, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson. They've had a lot more success, it seems. Seems like they're playing a lot better. Seems like they're playing a little bit more free, which is what you expect when Bruce Boudreaux takes over your team. He's a great regular season head coach. And right now, the Canucks, obviously, that helps. Four wins in a row. It's going to be a tough game for the Blue Jackets. It's always tough going out west for these Eastern Conference teams. They're going up and taking on the, the Vancouver Canucks after an absolute crazy game against the Seattle Kraken. I would lean to the Canucks. I would like to see them keep this going. You know, Bruce, there it is. Bruce Boudreaux. Now he has a general manager slash president of hockey ops, Jim Rutherford, up there. So we're going to know everything that is about to happen with that organization like seven months ahead of schedule, thanks to Jim Rutherford. So that's exciting as well. So times are getting better for Vancouver after what was basically a 
hit the big red button start to the season for the Canucks. They're having a little bit of fun here in December. You'll love to see it. Last game of the night. This has been like a marathon. I hope everybody's actually enjoying this because I'm actually having a lot of fun looking down through this. Last game, game 13 of 13 on the night. The only 10-30 start. Seattle Kraken taking on the San Jose Sharks. The Kraken, I mean, hey, give it the Paul Rudd thing. Look at us, you know? Who would have thought? Not me. They're all right. They're 9-15-3. They're They're an expansion team. They have their highs. They have their lows. They're going to take their lumps this year. Forget what you saw in 2017-18 with the Vegas Golden Knights because that's not how this works. It's not how it works, Bob. This is a team that, you know, might sneak up. They still have the potential to sneak up and kind of mess around and be on the bubble for a playoff spot. Do I expect them to do it? Not necessarily, no. Do they have the talent to do it? Yeah. When I look at the way that they've played, I think they should have a better record, but just their goaltending has been uncharacteristically bad. I mean, a really bad season for Philip Grubauer up there so far. Eventually, he's going to have to progress to the mean. You know, you've heard regression to the mean. I think he's going to have a progression to the mean. Play a little bit better. And maybe the Kraken's results come around as a result of that. Obviously, they're dealing with some injury issues, dealing with some COVID issues. So I think they probably fall on this one to the surprising San Jose Sharks. I really haven't talked about the Sharks. I should have the guys from the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I should get those guys over here to talk about what they've seen in San Jose this year because quietly, the Sharks are a good team. You know, I don't know when they started to rebuild, but apparently they have a lot of young talent. <laughs> I did, They weren't really selling off pieces. They still have Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, I mean, Logan Couture. Joe Pavelski is the only, like, piece worth of any credence that I thought that left, and he left in free agency. You know, they still have Hurdle, Meyer. If they were doing a rebuild, I would think those guys would have been out the door, like, ages ago. So I don't know when... They rebuilt. I guess Doug Wilson's just that damn good at being a general manager in this league. But the the San Jose Sharks right now, 15-12-1. Let me pull up the standings here again. 15-12-1. They sit in fifth place in the Pacific Division, a division that all of a sudden became very, very interesting this year with the emergence of the Anaheim Ducks, who are currently in first place in that division. Somewhere, uh, something that, you know, five years ago, that was commonplace. But now it's kind of a surprise. The Calgary Flames... I think they are out punting their coverage so far this season. The Edmonton Oilers were great. Like I mentioned, they're starting to take a step back. Vegas has inserted themselves into this conversation after a slow start. And then San Jose is right there. Then there's LA, Vancouver, Seattle. Eh, rough seasons for Seattle. LA is starting to regress to the mean. But San Jose has been able to keep it up. 15-12-1, not a bad record. They're one point behind both Edmonton and Vancouver. So out of nowhere, they could be, you know, at the end of this night, they could be sitting in third place in the Pacific Division. I wouldn't have expected that. You wouldn't have expected that. Don't lie. Unless you're you're from San Jose or a San Jose fan, you didn't expect the Sharks to be where they're at right now. So who wins in this game? I think this is actually going to be a really close game. You know, I think the Kraken are better than their record indicates. I have no idea what to think of the Sharks. That's why I'm saying I got to get the boys from... San Jose Hockey now. I believe it's Shang Pang and Nick Floor that are out there. So I'll have to invite them on. I got to get some more guests on this show. So it's coming up soon. Just keep an eye out because we're going to start bringing in guests. 
my uh, social calendar is clearing up after the holidays. So it will be podcasting, podcasting, podcasting. But the Kraken versus the Sharks, it's going to be a good game. Going to be a good game. I would lean towards San Jose in this one, though. I would lean towards San Jose. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hockey Hotbed as much as I did. I enjoyed sitting down, going through every single game on the NHL slate. 13 games across the National Hockey League. So if you missed it on Monday with no games, make sure you, you know, if you can watch it on ESPN+, Plus, turn on the quad screen. Be like NFL Red Zone. Put on four games at once. At least that's what I'll be doing to try to keep up with it. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. Make sure that if you like this, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We're going to be making a Facebook page, so keep an eye out for that. But also, if you really liked this, make sure you share it with your friends. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. Follow us on Spotify. And we'll see you guys on Friday with more talk. We'll see what happens in tonight's game. See if I leaned the right ways. And we'll have another three stars of the week segment. So join us on Friday. But thank you for tuning in on Tuesday. That's going to do it for this one. Thanks, guys. Have a good week, hockey fans.